I pray that the thought of Christ's death this morning would cause us to tremble. Turn to Romans chapter 4 with me. Romans chapter 4. If God were to mark iniquities, who of us could stand? In the passage that we looked at last week, Paul answered the question, how can a wicked sinner like you and me be declared before the Almighty Judge who is anything but corrupt? How can we, wicked sinners, be declared righteous before the Almighty Holy God? And the answer is that God can justify wicked sinners because their sins, our sins, have been paid for in full on the cross. The Old Testament confirms it. The depravity of man demands it. And in the end, the wrath of God is satisfied. And at the same time, the righteousness of God is not compromised. And so we have at the cross the meeting of God's justice in punishing sin and His mercy in forgiving sin. And what that means is that God justifies, He declares to be righteous all who put their faith in Jesus as the only means of their salvation. That's who to whom God gives justification. And justification is caused, remember we finished last time, justification is caused not by our faith, but by God's grace. That is, the water of justification flows from the spigot of God's grace, not from the spigot of our faith. Our faith is not the source of our justification. It's only the hose of our, of our justification. In the end, we get justification, and, and at the same time, we contribute absolutely nothing to our salvation. I mean, think of it. If we contributed even one-tenth of one per- percent of, to our salvation, so Jesus, 99.9%, and we, 0.1%. If we contributed any part to our salvation, then salvation would in some way be a wage. God would be paying for what He owed to us. And then we would have some reason to boast. See, I contributed something to my salvation. And what Paul is teaching us, what the Holy Spirit is teaching us, is that we contributed nothing to our salvation. We have no reason to boast, do we? You see, if we are justified through a system of works or partial works, partial, partial grace, then we could boast. But we are not justified by works. We're justified by a system of faith, and therefore we have no reason to boast. So here in chapter 4, Paul continues to support his argument that we cannot boast in our justification by using, uh, and he, does, he proves this by using the examples of Abraham and David. So let me read our passage for us, beginning with verse 1. This is the Word of God. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, 
His faith is credited as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and those whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Is this blessing then on the circumcised or the uncircumcised also? For we say, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. So Paul continues to support his point here, and he wants to show that faith is not a work. That's why we read there in verse 4, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor. Faith is not a work. And he uses Abraham and David to prove it. And so we'll see two things this morning. First, Abraham did not work for his justification, verses 1 through 8. And then second, Abraham, uh, since he was justified by faith alone, justification is available to all of us who believe. So first, Abraham did not work for his justification, verses 1 through 8. We need to be clear about this because if we wrongly understand how Abraham was justified or how he was saved, then we will think wrongly about how we are saved. Abraham did not work for his justification. Instead, Abraham, like us, was justified by grace alone. You see... Paul continues his argument here by showing that Abraham could not boast in his flesh. Look at chapter 3, verse 27. We saw there that there's no boasting in a system of flesh. Paul says, 3.27, Where then is boasting? It is excluded. And then by what kind of law? As I said, by what kind of system? A system of works? No, but by a system of faith. You see, the reason that we are not justified by works is because, look at verse 28, chapter 3, verse 28, we maintain that a man is justified by, not by works, but by faith, apart from works. So there is no boasting in a system of faith. And that is that God is the one who gets all the glory. We get none in our salvation. So then we have to go back to the Old Testament then, because Paul wants to answer this question. How then was Abraham justified? Because if justification was apart from works, what about our faithful forefather Abraham? And what Paul wants to show here to all of us is that the truth is that even Abraham was not justified by works. Notice how he proves this point in verse 2 of chapter 4. For if Abraham was justified by works... So any of those people who think, well, Abraham was an exception. you know, We, we might be justified by faith, but for Abraham, he was justified by works. But, but notice, if he were justified by works, then he has something to boast about. Okay, so let's just, for sake of argument, think that Abraham was somehow justified by what he did. If that were the case, case would not Abraham have the right to boast? And the answer is yes, he could boast if he were saved or justified by works. That his salvation in some way was based on what he did. But notice the last part of verse 2 but not before God. 
see, even Abraham was not justified by what he did, but by what God did. By what God's promised Redeemer would do for him. Justification for Abraham and for us did not come by works. It came by faith. And that's because justification is a one-sided transaction. It's a one-sided transaction. Verses 3-5. through five. You might buy into the idea that Abraham was in some way justified by what he did, but don't, don't let the passed-down tradition determine the truth for you. Let the Scripture speak. And that's what Paul does here because his readers, some of whom are Jews, would have heard from legend that Abraham was justified by works. But Paul's saying, that's nice what people say about Abraham and that you know he was the exception. He was a, a great forefather, never had any sin type thing, or maybe he did enough good things to be justified. But, but let's not let legend speak. Let's let the Scripture speak. Notice verse 3, how he, he says that. So you think, in verse 2, that, that he was somehow justified by works and he has something to boast about, but what does the Scripture say? This is a good question to ask, no matter what we're thinking about. Uh, Paul's saying, let's, let's go to the Scripture. And so he does. In verse 3, he quotes the capital letters there, meaning means that it's a quotation from the Old Testament. And if you look in the margin of your Bible, it's from Genesis 15:6. And the quotation is this, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay? So the word believed is the one that you should focus on because that's Abraham having faith. Right? The same thing as faith, believing God, believing in God's promises. Abraham believed God, he had faith, and God credited that to him as righteousness. Now, what does it mean that God credited credited that to him as righteousness? What is the word credited? It, well, it's an accounting term that means to apply to one's account. Right? For, for Abraham to receive righteousness, if it were something that he did, if it were a work, then he could say he earned it. But here, God's saying, no, in, in light of the fact that you are condemned before me, I am crediting to your account righteousness. We'll talk more about this at the end. But the point is that Abraham can't boast. Can he? Verse 2, he can't boast in himself. He can't boast before God because all that he did was believe. And, and faith is not a work. And I, I believe that the Spirit of God wants you today to come to terms with the fact that faith is not a work. Let me show you why I believe that. Look at verse 4. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. Now, that word credited should should uh, make you think back immediately to verse 3. God credited to Abraham righteousness. But to the one who works, it's not credited as grace, a favor, but it's credited as a wage or an earning. You see, when we work, we expect to get paid for what we work, right? We, we, we have a deal that we've set up with the people for whom we're working. And we have a right, in some regard, to take ownership of that paycheck that we receive, right? We have a right to take credit for our paycheck in the sense that, hey, I worked for that. You know, when you bring your paycheck home, your wife doesn't say, wow, that was a really nice nice gift from your boss. What do you mean, a gift? That's not a gift. I worked for that. What do you think I was doing all last week? Right? I worked for that. 
yeah, we should be thankful and humbled that he, you know, our boss keeps us employed. But we had an agreement that if I worked a certain period of time and did a certain amount of tasks, that I would get a wage. That's not a gift for my boss. That's an earning. That's a wage. You see, if belief were a work, if faith were a work, then God would be paying us for what He owes us. But belief cannot be a work because salvation is not based on our works. You see, Paul is showing us that there are only two ways to pursue justification. That is, justification, the righteous standing before God. How will God declare me to be righteous? There's only two ways to pursue that. Either by faith or by works. By faith means it's all of grace. It's all God. It's not an earning. And the other, okay, this, these are mutually exclusive, one or the other. The other way is to do it by works. And we already know from chapters 1 through 3 that that doesn't work. Works don't work for getting a right standing before God. Why? We're all depraved. We stand condemned before God. We don't have enough good deeds to outweigh our bad. It doesn't work that way. We are condemned sinners before God. God can't overlook our sin. So, works doesn't work as far as receiving a right standing before God. The only way that we can be justified is by faith. Do you see what Paul's doing here? He's saying one or the other, faith or works. And if it's one or the other, then that means that faith is not a work. Justification, if it were to come by works, then verse 4 tells us that God would have to pay us what He owes. But we already know, we already looked at chapter 3, verse 28, that justification is not by the works of the law. By the works of the law, no man will be justified, Galatians 3 says. So the only option we have to be justified before the holy God who demands absolute perfection, no sin at all, the only option we have is over here. It's faith. And faith is not a work. It's apart from works. Look at verse 5. But to the one who does not work, and then notice this contrast, the one who does not work, but believes, but has faith in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Do you see the link here? Okay, The one who doesn't work is actually the one who believes in, in what God has promised, that He is the one who justifies the ungodly. God does not justify those who work for their salvation because we're all unrighteous on our own. God does not and cannot justify us if we work for our salvation. We need God to do a one-sided, unbalanced transaction. Now, this doesn't work very well in the accounting world. We always have to have a debit and a credit. Okay, But for salvation, it does work. Because that's the only way that we can receive salvation. We don't have anything to offer on the debit side. We don't have anything to give to God. To say, God, here's what I'm giving you. Now give me salvation. We don't have anything. We come to the negotiation table empty-handed. And so God has to give us an unbalanced transaction just as He did with Abraham. And look at what He does to those who believe in Jesus. Second part of verse 5. His faith is credited as righteousness. Just like Abraham, we are sinners who need to be justified. But we are justified not by works, but by a favor, by grace, 
alone. So Abraham was justified by grace alone. And then verses 6-8, through eight, all Old Testament believers were justified by grace alone. All Old Testament believers were justified by grace alone. So first example he uses is Abraham. But now let's think about David a little bit later in time. Abraham was justified by grace alone, but David was as well. And here Paul quotes from Psalm 32, 1 and 2, to show that David's righteousness was also not based on works. Notice what David says there in capital letters in verse 7. Blessed are those. Does he say this? Blessed are those who have no lawless deeds and who have no sin. Is that what he says? No, he says those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. We sit at the negotiation table before God and God has justification. This is His gift. He's ready to give. He's ready to exchange it with us. What do we have at the negotiation table? What can we give Him back? You know what we come with? Our sin. All of our defilement. Our vileness. That's what we have. And so when God says, a right standing, here you go justification. It's yours. It belongs to you now. Then it's a gift, not a wage. All that we can contribute to the equation is our own sin. And God looks at our sin and forgives it. Not on the basis our lawless deeds are not are not accounted to us. They are forgiven. That's what David says. God looks at our sin and forgives it, not on the basis of anything that we have done, but according to His mercy, Titus 3.5, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. It's grace. It's all grace. Now, God did much more than just forgive our sins. Right? He, he took our sins and forgave them. It's one thing for God to forgive our sins. Do not count our sins against you. But do you realize that you need more than that in order to have a right standing before God? Because if He just forgave your sins, you would be on neutral ground before God. But God does much more than that. He makes you like one... He makes you like His Son, doesn't He? It, the example that I've used before is, is it's as if we are peasant uh, peasants within the kingdom of God. Within the kingdom of, let's just say, a king. Okay, we are peasants and we've murdered the king's son. And the king demands that we must be hanged because of our, of our crime. Now, it would be one thing if the king said, you murdered my son, but I'm going to forgive you of what you've done. Where would that put us in society? It puts us on neutral ground with the king. He no longer sees us as a criminal. He's, he's covered over that sin, that, that crime. right? But we're just a, another... Another person within society. We're just like one of the other peasants. We're not going to be spending any time with the kings, but here's what happens in salvation. Not only does He forgive your sins, but He actually invites you to be a part of His family. So the king says, not only am I going to overlook or cover over that crime that you've committed, but now I'm going to welcome you into my family. And now you're going to be a son of the king. How's that work out for you? Is that going to be okay for you? This is what God does in salvation. He says He's going to overlook your sin. Not, not overlook in the sense that He's not going to judge it. He judges it through Jesus. Okay, So he, he atones for it. But then He also doesn't put us on a neutral standing before Him. He actually grants to us the righteousness of Christ and grants us uh, a sonship. 
Okay? Or we can say daughtership, which is that is we become a child of the King. God not only forgave your sin through Jesus, but He also made you part of His family by crediting righteousness to your account. He made atonement for your vile sin and mine, but He didn't simply make you a neutral party before Him. You had to keep working now. You had to do enough righteous things to, to get in favor with Him. He took it one step further, didn't He? He credited righteousness to your account. And so David says, Blessed are those. And I would say, Blessed are you whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins have been covered. And blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not take into account. So number one, Abraham did not work for his justification. Number two, since Abraham was justified by faith alone, justification is available to all who believe. Since Abraham was justified by faith alone, justification is available to all who believe. Verses 9-12. through 12. So Abraham was not justified by faith alone. And what that means is both Jew and Gentile that the salvation or justification by faith, not by works, is available to all, both Jew and Gentile. You see, if what Paul is arguing for, that faith is not a work, is true, and it is, and if we are justified by grace alone, and we are, and if that has always been the case, whether it's Abraham or David or Adam, and it has, then justification is available to all who believe, not just those who are of the ethnic group of Israel. That is, the the ethnic descendants of Abraham. Justification by faith is available to all of us, whether Jew or Gentile. So Abraham actually becomes a father both for Jews and Gentiles. And only on the basis, only does he become their spiritual father on the basis of faith. Okay, we'll talk about how that works. In order to prove this point, Paul will show that Abraham was justified long before he obeyed the law. This is what you need to understand about your own salvation, that you were justified before you did any obeying. You were justified before you obeyed. Paul clarifies this point here from verses 1 through 8 by saying in verse 9, Is this blessing then on the circumcised or the uncircumcised also? Now, what he wants to make clear is, any of you out there who think that, that Abraham somehow was justified by what he did, then I want to, I, I want to reject that idea right now. Okay, I want to, I want to reject that. He was not justified because of what he did. He was justified by what he believed, which is not a work. And he shows under what circumstances Abraham's faith was credited to him. Verse ten. How then was Abraham's faith credited to him? Or I'm, I'm sorry, his righteousness. How then was his righteousness credited to him? Or We could say, uh, under what circumstances was Abraham's faith credited to him? I think that's the idea of how there. Under what circumstances was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? And in order to understand this, we need to know a little bit about the history of Abraham. And Paul's actually going to answer the question right there at the end of verse 10. Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. So, if you think that somehow God justified Abraham because of what he did, circumcision, then you're wrong. Because he actually was justified before that. Now, we need to think about this. When was Abraham circumcised? We need to think about a careful chronological uh, framework 
from which we can think about this. Abraham was circumcised when he was 99 years old, according to Genesis 17.1. 99. But when was this quotation about credit, credited righteousness given from Romans 4.3? Look at verse 4, or verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited. Look at the margin of your Bible again. Where's that from? Genesis 15, 6. Okay, so he was circumcised, Genesis 17, around the birth of Isaac, long after Ishmael was born. But when does God credit righteousness to him? Okay, at least at Genesis 15, 6, which is at the time when Abraham was 85 years old and when Ishmael was born. Now, I say at least then, but he was probably declared righteous long before that because you remember in Hebrews 11 it says that Abraham believed uh, by following God to a place where he didn't know he was going. He was going to Ur of the Chaldeans. And so like the fact that he displayed his faith there showed that God had already credited righteousness to him. But the point that we want to see is he wasn't circumcised till 99, and he was, he was already credited, righteous, credited righteousness long before that. He was already justified. He was already, here in our terms today, saved. Abraham was saved long before he did any works, before he was circumcised. So what the Jews are going to do is they're going to say, well, see, the reason that Abraham was justified is because he did this. And God's saying, no, it's not. And the reason that he was justified before he was circumcised is so that he could be the father of both the Gentiles, since he was justified before he was circumcised, and the Jews, since he was also justified at that point in his life as well. Not re-justified or justified again. That's not what I'm saying. But he continued to be righteous before God, or he continued to be declared righteous before God. And the point is that Abraham was not justified by his work by his sign and seal of circumcision. God didn't say, well, now that you've been circumcised, now let me credit to your account righteousness. No, it was Abraham's faith that God used to credit as righteousness. It was the means by which God granted justification. You see, if God waited until Abraham was circumcised in order to justify him, then Abraham could in some way boast, couldn't he? He could say, look what I did to earn, even to a small degree, some of my justification. God says that's not going to be how it works. It's not how it works for Abraham. It's not how it works for any one of us. It's not going to be by works. And the fact that Abraham was declared righteous before he was circumcised proves two important truths. Verse 12. First, that he is the father of the Jews. That's not a surprise. Okay. Verse 12. And the father of circumcision. I'm actually using the second implication first, but we'll, we'll just look at it in this order. The father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but to those who follow in the steps of faith. So, Abraham is the father of the Jews, but the spiritual father only of the Jews who believe, who follow him in faith. That's what he's saying. So, there's two, two ways in which Abraham is the father. First, he's a father over the Jews. And he's a father over the Gentiles. But here, the second one, he's only the father of the Jews who believe. The person who just is a Jew by ethnicity is not necessarily justified, right? They have to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ just like every single other person. 
But he's also, here's the second implication of the fact that Abraham was declared righteous before he was circumcised, and that is that he is also the father of non-Jews. Look at the second, uh, um, sorry, verse 11. And he received, Abraham received the sign of circumcision, seal and righteousness of faith, which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So, if you read through the Old Testament and you got the impression that you had to come into the Jewish understanding of things, if you had to come into the Jewish nation, right? you had to be proselytized in order to be saved, then you're wrong. Okay? Because no one is saved through becoming a Jew or, or taking on the Jewish way of life. That's not how anyone is saved. That's not how anyone was saved in the Old Testament. You missed the point. Because Abraham was actually justified long before... Okay, think about it this way. He was a Jew. Okay, before God made up the nation that would be the Jewish nation, Abraham was justified long before that. And so in that sense, he not only is the father of the Jews, at least to those who believe in there, but also he's a father of the non-Jews, the Gentiles, but only to those who believe like Abraham believed. And so we, in that sense, are connected to the blessings of Abraham not by virtue of blood or by seal or by right. right. There are millions of Jews today and countless millions throughout the centuries who have no spiritual connection to Abraham. But we are connected to the blessings of Abraham and the promises to him by God by virtue of the faith that we share with Abraham. No matter if we are Jew or Gentile. And so all of this, Paul uses to show that faith is not a work. You see, faith is not the cause of your salvation. It doesn't earn you anything from God. Your faith doesn't earn you anything. Otherwise, God would be paying your salvation to you as a wage. But it's not a wage. It's a gift. When God saved you, He performed an unbalanced transaction. A one-sided, unilateral unearned by you transaction. You didn't go to work for Him one day and the work that you performed was faith and then God at the end of the day gave you the paycheck of salvation. That's not how it works. It was all grace. Faith is only the means by which you receive that paycheck, so to speak. It's not a paycheck. It's a gift. The faith is the means by which you receive the gift. You see, if that were not the case, if, if we were justified by works, then God would be paying what He owes to us. But praise God that He did not pay what He owed to us. Because if we got what we deserved from God, we would spend eternity in hell paying for our sin. And if you think of faith as a work, then you would be paying for your justification. In other words, if you think about it in terms of accounting, you are crediting to God's account your faith and God in exchange credits to your account salvation. But if that were the case, then you were you would be receiving a paycheck from God, something that God owes you, but faith is not a work. Faith is the means by which you accept the gift that is justification. You come to the table with just your sin and nothing else. Nothing in my hands I bring. And so, if we want to think about it in terms of an accounting transaction, you know what you credit to God's account? Your sin. He has to do something with that, right? 
He has to pay for it. And, and He did. When he, when he put those sins, when Jesus became sin for us, He took on the likeness of human flesh. Or, or He took on the likeness of sin so that He would become sin. That He would pay the penalty for sin by, and God nailed His Son to the cross. He nailed the record of our deeds to the cross. God comes to the table with this free gift of justification and He gives that to us on the basis of His grace. That is, He declares you not guilty and you accept it on the basis of faith. Your faith, again, is not the cause of your salvation. It's the means by which you receive it. If it were the cause, then you would be working for it and justification would be a work, would come by means of works. So let me just try to just um, hammer this home, okay? Because I've kind of been saying the same thing over and again, over and over again. But let me just illustrate, just so that you are clear that faith is not a work. Suppose you owed me some money, and you don't, okay? But suppose you did, and you went to my bank and you told the teller that you wanted to put some money in my account. Well, the bank would credit my account with money that you put in. And now, suppose you put money into my account, but not because that would be a, a legitimate transaction, right? I had taken money out of my, my account and given it to you, and you had put money, money into my account, and, and so the transaction is even, right? You owed it to me, so you paid it back. Now, suppose that you put money into my account, but not because you owed me money, but because I washed your car by hand for the whole summer, and I didn't do that, okay? But, but suppose I did. In both of those illustrations, I did something to earn that credit, right? That credit that comes into my account from your, from, from your pocket, I earned it in some way, either by giving you money or lending you money or by working for you. Now, suppose that I never, I never lent you any money and I never worked for you. I never did any chores for you. I never gave you anything. And to make things worse, suppose I actually murdered one of your family members and smeared your name on the Internet. And one day, after all those terrible events, you put money into my account. You credited money to my account. What did I deserve to, to get that money from you? And the answer is nothing. In fact, I deserved your full, uh, the full measure of your wrath against me. Christian, you are not entitled to your salvation because you believed in Jesus. That is, you didn't earn your salvation by your belief. It was not a work. You are entitled to your salvation because of God's grace and nothing else. The only reason that you, or the only way that you can accept that gift is by faith. So don't just say, well, okay, well, if, if my faith doesn't earn me my salvation, then I don't need faith. Just wait for God to do something. You know, just kind of one-sided zap. No. Faith is the means by which you receive it, but it's not a work. The reason that you're saved is by God's grace. And so two implications of this. When you come to grips with the idea that faith is not a work, it is not a work, it liberates you, it frees you to stop looking to yourself for your salvation. It liberates you from thinking that it depends on me. I need to hold on a little tighter. I need to make sure that my initial salvation was strong enough or my initial faith was strong enough. You see, when you recognize that it's all God, it frees you to recognize that, that it is all God. You don't have to do anything to earn God's standing. 
Secondly, when you come to grips with the idea that faith is not a work, it also transforms you. Okay, so it doesn't liberate you to do nothing. Don't hear me say, you know, since I believe, uh, then that's all I need. And, I, you know, my life doesn't have to be a life that's following God in obedience. Because the Scriptures clearly teach that those who believe will work, not for their salvation, but they will work in response to what God has given as a gift. What I've been talking about today is, is that we cannot do anything to earn our salvation, but God has never saved anyone to be a lazy Christian. Okay? God has never earned, uh, bought you from your sin in order for you to do nothing. He created us in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, He created us in Christ Jesus for good works. So He created you to do something, not to be lazy. So don't hear me say when I say, you know, faith is not a work and, and therefore don't depend on your works to save you. That doesn't mean you don't work. It means you don't work for your salvation. But a Christian is a person who, listen to this, stops working in order to be counted righteous and trusts in Christ, Christ and His finished work. A Christian is one who stops working in order to be saved. He stops working for his salvation and he trusts in Christ alone. But a Christian is not one who stops working. He stops working in order to be saved. you see the difference? He's not one who stops working. Rather, those who genuinely have faith will produce works. That is, the Spirit will produce works in us. Paul talks about this idea in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 by calling it a work of faith. Maybe this phrase kind of came up in your mind thing. Wait a second. You're saying that faith is not a work. They're mutually exclusive. But what about when Paul says a work of faith in 1 Thessalonians 1, 3? And what I think he means by that is a work which is produced by faith. That is not a work for faith or a work that produces faith, but rather the other way around. The faith actually produces the work. In other words, if you're attached to the vine, okay, if God has grafted you into the vine, Jesus, by grace and through your faith, then you as a branch will produce fruit. It's guaranteed. And so what that means for us is not that we sit back and be lazy and just, oh, it's going to come, but rather we, as Paul says in Philippians 2, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for our salvation, work it out. The faith that's been produced in you will result in works. So work it out as God's working within you. What a great truth that we can learn that we did not earn our salvation and be reminded of this morning. We did not earn our salvation. It's all of grace. And our salvation guarantees that we will respond with good works. And the logical order of that station is critical. We didn't work in order to be in order to produce faith. We believed and God used that to produce in us works. And as we understand that more clearly, that faith is not a work, it helps us to revel in the mercy of God in salvation. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed at the gift of salvation. The more that we come to learn about it in Your Word, the more we are amazed. Because there have been clear times in our lives, even as Christians, when we didn't quite grasp this concept. We thought faith was somehow a work, or we contributed at least a little bit to our salvation. But 
when we look at passages like we saw last week and this week, we are convinced that that our faith is not a work. It's simply a means by which we receive the, the free gift that comes by grace, which is a right standing before You. Lord, You have not only forgiven our sins and blessed are we who have our sins forgiven, but also You have counted us as righteous. You have credited to our account the righteousness of Christ. And so when You look at us, You look at us as if we are Your very perfect Son, Jesus Christ. And so there is no, therefore now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And we bless You for that. We praise You for that. And we want to live in light of that. Not to sit back and be lazy, but to to revel in Your grace and to work for the sake of Your glory for the remainder of our lives and through eternity. We pray in Jesus' name.